Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays podcast. I'm Hari Arkli, tech editor at Forbes India. And in these podcasts, we'll bring you conversations with entrepreneurs who are finding opportunities in solving a variety of problems in multiple areas, from agriculture and satellite imagery to digital finance and cryptocurrencies. We'll also talk to investors from venture capital companies and other folks who are playing a significant role in India's maturing startup scene. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. Stay safe and happy listening. Today's guest uh, is really important to us because he's among the few who is uh, very determined to back uh, hard uh, technological startups, deep tech startups, which India very you know needs a lot. Um, so without further ado, please uh, welcome uh, Manish Singhal, uh, founding uh, partner at uh, Pi Ventures. Uh, Manish, good morning. Uh, great to have you uh, on this show today. Good morning, Hari, and thanks for inviting me on your show. Yeah, excellent. So, and, uh, one added advantage is I got to use Instagram for the first time in my life. Yeah, I've, I talk very highly about being a tech investor, but right. <laughs> Instagram is not my age. Right. Yeah, in fact, I've discovered that quite a few of my guests uh, have actually uh, you know, started using Instagram live for the first time by going on this show. Um, nice. Yeah. Anyway, so so for starters, just to get started, uh, tell us a bit about uh, Pi Ventures, uh, how you started, I think, back in 2016, and uh, what are the kind of entrepreneurs and startups you were looking to invest in at that time? operational in uh, late part of 2016, early part of 2017, and we had one singular focus. We wanted to invest in companies which are using uh, artificial intelligence to create a disruption in the sector they are in. Mm. Right? So, in other words, disruptive AI companies. And uh, uh, that's what we have been pretty much doing, except for a deviation we took. Uh, we backed a very, very interesting company called Agnipool, which is in space tech, because yeah. we found that also uh, getting to an inflection point in terms of transportation sector and space. And now over a period of time, we have backed 15 companies in Fund 1 and our Fund 2 is also operational. We have backed one company in Fund 1, which we uh, Fund 2, which we will announce shortly. Uh, but overall, I think our thesis is also important. So earlier we were hardcore focused on AI and disruptive AI. But with the Agnikul experience, we are learning that there are other forms of deep tech which also need a backing. So our thesis has evolved a little bit more. Now we look for companies which are solving global problems on the back of a 10x differentiated technology, right? And that actually is a very wide spectrum. AI still forms a large part of our thesis. Almost 70-80% of our companies are still likely to be in AI because digital disruption is mainly led by AI today. But we also look at what we call as the beyond digital disruptions or physical disruptions like uh, advances in material science, advances in nanotech, biotech, uh, nano, uh, and etc. etc. Right. So, broadly speaking, we look at anything which is solving a global problem on the back of a technology differentiation. Mm. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, yourself as well. You've been a technologist for many, many years uh, before you turned to venture capital. Um, so, how is that experience, and uh, what propelled you to change to becoming a venture investor? Sure. Yeah, so um, uh, in fact, uh, growing up, the only thing I wanted to do is to actually become an Air Force pilot. Okay. <laughs> this was in class 11 and 12, and I, I did not qualify to become one, 
and uh, therefore the next best thing that I could do was actually to focus on technology. And uh, luckily got into IIT Kanpur, so did my electrical engineering from there. And uh, you know, first 18 years of my career after I graduated in 92, I actually ended up uh, doing some very interesting comp- uh, products in deep tech space. Right? So somehow, as luck would have it, destiny would have it, I was always working on cutting edge of what cutting edge that time was. Right? So I actually built a GPS for Indian Army in 92, 93. And now we take GPS for granted. Uh, it is part of our mobile phone or in our watches. Right? At that time, it used to be a shoebox kind of a box which uh, Jawan could carry on his back to mm-hmm. uh, find his home back to the uh, base camp. And uh, then I was with Motorola for many years in India and in the uh, US. And in those days, uh, you know, um, uh, this whole uh, MPEG uh, 4 was getting standardized. Uh, and MPEG 4 was actually a bunch of tools, very interesting technologies, but companies were struggling to launch products on it. So one fine morning, me and my colleague Kevin in uh, the US, we were just uh, sort of uh, having a cup of coffee and you know an idea struck to us and we actually formulated that into a piece of paper and then we presented to the MPEG committee that this is how you can commercialize MPEG 4 and uh, it, it actually struck home, couldn't believe it and uh, that uh, that paper went as a chapter in MPEG 4 so, and uh, MPEG 4 actually saw a light of day after that and uh, has been the most commercialized standard ever since and uh, uh, you know, then I came back to India, did two startups here, one called Ethium Systems, I think therefore I am. And we used to do uh, some crazy technologies in uh, digital signal processing. So I used to uh, build those tech, uh, especially in the audio video uh, domain and license that across the world. And then uh, there was a deep desire to kind of see uh, whether we can launch our own products under our own brand name. And that opportunity came with another very exciting Silicon Valley startup called uh, uh, Sling Media, which was famous for its product called Slingbox, lets you watch your TV anywhere in the world. And uh, I actually built most of the R&D for Sling along with Raghu and Bupin who were in the US, but I was responsible for the Indian R&D and most of the R&D was here. And we actually ended up doing uh, probably the best product of my career so far. I mean, that product became extremely successful, still sells in the US, uh, uh, you know, and uh, we won like 75 patents uh, from this uh, product. We won Emmy Award as well, which is rarely given to a tech company. And we got a big exit, $380 million back in 2007-8. And uh, the way we had structured our company, we made sure that every single person in the company had some shares. Although at the time of taking those shares, some of the freshers did not understand the significance of it. But after the company got bought, everybody made money and it was very good to see you know, some life transforming events for some of my team members. Uh, uh, and that led, uh, you know, one thing led to the other and finally I left Sling in 2010. And, uh, you know, last 10, 12 years I have been in the ecosystem helping companies as a mentor, as an angel investor. Also created Let'sVenture.com before launching Pi. So in short, I think technology has been an integral part of me right from uh, when my career started. And uh, always happened to work on the deep tech side of things in wherever I was. So it was only natural that I do something around deep tech. And having built a couple of companies before, I thought, let me sort of uh, maybe make a, a multiplier effect, right? Whether instead of doing one company at a time, can I help multiple companies at the same time mm. uh, in some way? And that's how uh, the journey of venture capital uh, started back in 2016. Mm. I guess uh, it's natural to think that for someone who spent uh, a very large part of his career in technology, building the hard products and so on, 
I would also think about backing technology startups. Uh, but can you talk about what is the attraction of uh, investing in deep tech and also what is the big picture? I mean, in the sense the the biggest economies, I think, are they have the soft power because of their technological prowess. So I guess if you can talk about why India needs that, the risks and rewards of deep tech. Yeah. See, I think uh, if you look at India technology landscape, right? Uh, back in nineties, we were pretty much a services organization. Uh, we used to build. Uh, we were basically body suppliers for lack of a better word. Yeah. And then uh, came this whole revolution uh, of what we call as a product nation, where we are trying to think of making our own products and making it for the world or for India in either cases, right? But fundamentally, I am seeing a shift in the last four five years. Right? Mm. Even within the product nation concept, people are attempting bolder problems. People are attempting core IP uh, led startups, and uh, uh, typically these problems solve global problems. Uh, these companies solve global problems. Right? So essentially, what we are seeing is that India has a very good chance of transforming itself into a deep tech nation in the next decade. And uh, really uh, put ourselves in the deep tech innovation map of the world. And we are seeing in our portfolio itself, there are several companies which are number one, number two, or number three in the world in their categories. Mm. Right? So no longer the world is divided by boundaries that whether you are in India or Israel in the US. If you have a great idea and a great idea to solve, uh, if you have a great idea to solve a pertinent problem uh, in, in a disruptive way, you can actually be. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are from. You can uh, still be the world's best company. So we've done uh, Visa, which is world's best, uh, most um, uh, advanced mental health conversation platform. Agnipur, which is the only company in the world which has been able to print 3D printed rocket engines. Zeravai, uh, probably the earliest, um, only commercial uh, solution available to detect breast cancer that early. Right? And the list goes on. So we are seeing those potential in the companies coming out of India, which can solve these deep global problems on the back of technology. And we want to obviously support it. Now, these companies have been around. And one of the things that I was observing in the pain point in the ecosystem when I was working as an angel is that these companies typically don't get ugly support of investors. That's where things become hard for them. And as an angel, I had limited uh, posture to support them. Right? My angel checks are not that good. So therefore, I thought as a fund, I can go deeper, make a viewpoint on that and support it. And coming from a technology operating experience, I think somewhere it helped me to recognize that potential in those product companies much, much earlier uh, than probably some of the conventional investors in the ecosystem. And uh, therefore, uh, you know, I, 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 we believe that we, we need more of uh, what we are doing in the ecosystem to really push the deep tech ecosystem in India. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what keeps us exciting. Uh, excited, you know, every day we meet new founders with some really mm -hmm. good ideas and, uh, and a passion to work with them. Yeah. Um, one reminder to our audience, uh, you know, thank you for being here with us this morning. And uh, I can see some questions already. So please keep hitting the question button and uh, add your questions and we'll try our best to take as many as we can towards the end. Manish uh, is here today this morning with us. So that's it. Manish, in your uh, signature line, I noticed that you mentioned uh, points of inflection. Uh, so yeah, so do you see that uh, in India today? I mean, points of inflection in deep tech? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, of course. So there are several, so, uh, okay, that article is an interesting one actually. We've created a framework of 
innovation versus science versus deep tech i encourage all the you know some of you to go to our website and check out our blog but essentially uh, uh, you know for example if you think about specific use cases for example if i take wise as an example mental health is is a massive point of inflection it is a pandemic within a pandemic even before pandemic the mental health uh, you know mental health has always been the dark horse people don't want to talk about it everybody is stressed out everybody wants to talk to someone and therapists are busy especially in the western world how do you solve this problem at scale technology can only solve this problem at scale and that's how wiser came into being and now they are doing some fantastic work and of course post pandemic we are seeing massive adoption to the platform similarly uh, you know when we talk about satellites now satellites have shrunk over a period of time and there is a there is almost like a uh, demand and supply problem if you will because small satellites now need to find home in bigger rockets to go up in space which can take them a year year and a half sometimes to go up in space and without any cool they can go out of their own rockets you can actually it can launch as small as 30 kg payload because it's a 3d printed rocket engine so that is solving also a very pertinent problem and actually go to accelerate how many satellites uh, democratize the access to space in some way right so uh, things like this are happening so to to your question what we see is that broadly if you think about tech obviously ai that uh, we can say it is some what at an inflection point but the use cases within those are more important and not just blind ourselves on a broad technology so within some use cases are inflecting more than the others and uh, uh, that we uh, that framework that you're just talking about is actually something we use in figuring that out while making investments mm. you now uh, raising your second fund uh, can you tell us uh, what's the target you're looking at uh, when do you expect to close it and you have of course already started investing from it yeah yeah so our target is to raise 100 million dollars which is around 750 crores uh, we are sort of into it quite a bit in fact that's what takes most of my day to day uh, these days uh, raising money um, and uh, we've also as you rightly said we've backed our first company as well we've not announced it we'll probably do that in july sometime uh, but yes things are well on our way in our fund too and we want to back around 25 disruptive companies uh, in this fund hmm and what do you look for when you invest in a deep tech entrepreneur or startup what are the things that you definitely want to see when you make the decision yeah absolutely i think uh, most of the things remain similar to if i was not a deep tech fund but uh, there is one thing that we are little bit you can say fanatical about is that we want to understand whether the problem really exists in the market that a founder is trying to solve and whether that problem is global in nature right and the solution that they have or the invention they have the core of that invention has to match the core of the problem that they strive for that resonating factor is what leads to a good startup so to give you an example uh, uh, if you talk about rockets being too big for smaller satellites the core of the innovation at agnipool is a 3d printed single rocket engine and therefore that actually shrinks the entire size and makes it uh, easy for rockets to become smaller so core of the problem core of the invention match wise up mental health automatic conversations without humans ai engine which can do that core match right so these that match fitness is very important for us what is the problem you are trying to solve is it global in nature 
and does the tech innovation give you an added advantage in your category to solve that problem really well? And the third question, of course, is are you a great team to be able to do this? Next mm -hmm. So, in the overall ecosystem, sort of startup scene in India, I mean, this year particularly has seen quite a few unicorns uh, coming up. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? And uh, is it too early to think about uh, deep tech unicorns in India? Yeah. See, unicorn is just a word. I think it is probably misused in our whole philosophy a little bit more than uh, than uh, than nothing else. So I think what we can do is we can talk about whether valuable companies are getting built on the back of our technology. Uh, please do uh, remember that most of the deep tech companies are B two B companies typically, mm. and B two B companies are very capital efficient. So sometimes they may not need to raise money as much as a B2C company would. And a B2C company typically gets to a unicorn status much sooner because the need of the capital is higher. Right? Yeah. So we have to balance that out a little bit. So if I just leave the unicorn tag out, and I'm pretty sure that will also happen. I mean, it is just a question of time. There are some significant valuable uh, companies getting built. Like one of our companies called Locus, which is into intelligent or logistics optimization, right? Yeah. Uh, they've just closed a $50 million round uh, with some global investors, which is a fairly large round. And if you count some of the bigger rounds, I don't have all the numbers um, on the top of my head, but I think $250 million have been invested in bigger rounds in deep tech companies in just last six months. Right? And so therefore, when you talk about that kind of number, obviously these companies are valued anywhere between $300 million to $600 million. So unicorn status is also not very far away, but valuable companies, if you talk about the very valuable companies getting built out of India, which, which are being built on a technology edge and doing global business. Mm. You mentioned uh, how deep tech startups uh, were not getting uh, the kind of attention from investors, the funding that needed when you started out, one of the problems that you wanted to solve. Uh, so broadly, yeah. what are the biggest challenges in investing in deep tech in general, and are sure. there any uh, any challenges specific to India? Yeah, I think uh, uh, deep tech companies typically, when they start off, they're primarily a technology narrative. Hmm. And in a technology narrative, if I am a founder primarily with a technology narrative wanting to raise money, then I need an investor can understand my technology narrative and make sense out of it. Right? Mm. That combination I felt was missing in India, right? which we are trying to bridge very aggressively. And typically what happens is, in, we've seen in our companies, when these early companies, which are primarily a technology narrative, start to become a business narrative, right? then you are no longer a deep tech company per se. right? Mm. And larger groups of capital have our companies itself has raised plenty of capital once they become a business narrative. Right? Mm. So I think fundamentally as a deep tech investor, whosoever is looking to invest in deep tech in companies in India, mm. they have to either uh, build some capability in-house or have an understanding or develop a little bit of a uh, skill, uh, passion, interest understand the technology narrative early on because at that time companies do look a bit scary and ugly. Right? So that fundamentally is a shift that is required in the investor mindset. Mm. To your point about what is needed in the Indian ecosystem, I think Indian ecosystem
as often as the US ecosystem has seen. Mm-hmm. As an angel, I've been investing in 2012, and now I'm beginning to see exits, which is taking me almost 10, 11 years, right? Uh, 9, 10 years. Suppose this cycle was four or five years, right? I, I got those exits. Then I would put that money back into more startups, mm-hmm. right? And if 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 I make those money on risk, then my risk appetite also increases over a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a little underlying current which is improving very massively in India. But as people who are investing early, beginning to begin to see their money coming back, I think their risk appetite of what they want to explore uh, will also increase. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I think these two combinations should, uh, and there I'm already seeing an improvement in that. I've seen other investors taking a bet on early on uh, uh, technology as well in our ecosystem. So I think both factors are improving with time. And, uh, they should uh, actually help our deep tech companies the next hmm. One one quick question before I move to the audience questions. Uh, uh, what is significantly missing in the deep tech ecosystem in India today? So, so here are some questions uh, from folks who are watching us. Uh, since you've invested, you've spent a lot of time studying uh, investments in AI and back some startups. Uh, this is a question from uh, Swetan Shu. Uh, uh, he says, "What are your views on AI retraining platforms?" Uh, I'm not sure I get that question very clearly, but uh, do you want to take a shot at it? So here's another question uh, from this is Yash. Okay, what would be the next shift game changer? Internet was one. After this, what are your predictions? What would be the next shift changer? Internet. Oh yeah, sure. So I think we've seen uh, uh, internet has brought obviously a lot of people online, and that has enabled a lot of things to do. In fact, we are chatting because of that, uh, like this. I think the next shift. Uh, uh, so AI is something that we consider as a shift. We are still going through it, mm. and I think the next shift that might come in the next few years is the quantum computing uh, uh, paradigm of quantum computing. Right. And if that comes, it will change a lot of things. It will change the way uh, we do AI. Uh, AI may get disrupted because of quantum. 
because the models are trained differently, the models are built differently. Uh, the way we do security uh, uh, technology will change, change completely. So quantum, in my opinion, uh, in the next four to five years, is something that we should look for um, uh, as a shift that can come. Okay. Uh, so here's a. Okay, so this, this looks interesting. Uh, auto sector is changing significantly in terms of becoming connected. They're becoming increasingly technology companies, uh, GM, yeah. Ford, Volkswagen, everybody investing, I mean, collectively investing hundreds of billion dollars, billions of dollars in EVs and so on. So do you want to address this question from a deep tech perspective? Yeah, sure, I can give you some of uh, my thing, but I don't track this as much as I do other things. Uh, uh, but yes, I think uh, uh, we have done a Earth to space transportation, not within Earth transportation, so to say. Uh, but yes, I think uh, the way uh, battery tech uh, is uh, uh, evolving, hmm. uh, the way uh, uh, the whole EV uh, uh, infrastructure is evolving over a period of time, I think it will change the way uh, auto industry is done. In fact, I also drive a EV car for almost like five, six years now. Okay. Uh, right. So uh, yeah, I'm a big believer of that. And that can lead to a lot of transformation, but yet to see some real things on the ground yet. I think key will be, uh, apart from the consumer transportation, if uh, EV can uh, crack the commercial vehicle problem right, uh, in some way, mm. uh, be it, uh, for example, can we make EV trucks, which are, you know, and that will require a fundamentally different way of doing battery tech. Or for all you might know, can you make uh, EV uh, uh, railway engines, right? Uh, or uh, EV planes, uh, which may be smaller. Right? Mm -hmm. So some of those are on the boundary of tech. I think EV on car and EV on scooter is not on the boundary of tech. They are more on the boundary of getting infrastructure deployment to uh, see uh, uh, wider adoption. But battery tech is going to change some of that quite distinctly as well. Okay, let's take a couple of last questions. Uh, I just saw a question here. On, ah, here it is. Uh, so yeah, a lot of interest in AI and ML. So uh, being sim, okay, okay, uh, is asking AI, ML, IoT will they play a role in facilitating clean energy? Yeah, we've actually seen quite a few plans in clean energy. So one is battery tech itself, right? Battery, the way you do battery tech. Uh, 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 there is an opportunity to do cleaner battery tech over there. Uh, but um, if you go into the next layer of how the sensing is done in uh, electrical circuits, how the uh, trends are measured in electrical circuits, there is a lot of opportunity for analytics to play a role of mm -hmm. when to upload, when to download uh, the current, uh, etc. So there are multiple things you can do once you can measure what's going on in real time. So that's a combination of IoT and data. You're seeing that across distribution of electricity, consumption of electricity, and of course, in the whole battery tech arenas. Mm. Okay, uh, last question, because we're running out of time. Uh, this is from Karthik Gurmule, I think. I hope I pronounced it right. Apologies if I didn't. Uh, do VCs prefer startups whose concept is first to market or who already have competitors in space? I mean, I guess a broader question on how, how VCs invest. Yeah. I think it depends upon VC to VC. For us, what is important is if, uh, so we don't, we, this is not a factor for us at all, whether you are 
So what has worked well for us is you have an established market and you come up with a tech solution which disrupts that in a, in a very uh, sort of what we call as a 10x way in our thesis. That's what excites us. Uh, so, and typically those companies are the first to disrupt or disrupt so significantly that it doesn't matter whether you're the first or second or third. You've suddenly now got a much better solution. The customers have access to a much better solution than before. And therefore, you know, you go and flock towards it rather than uh, using your conventional solution. So, that has been our thesis actually. But thesis will have a different viewpoint depending upon what we talk to. Okay, excellent. Uh, that was uh, insightful conversation uh, this morning with you, uh, Manish. Thank you again for making time for this uh, conversation, and we hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you, Hari, and uh, uh, thank you all the listeners uh, for being here on the session. Thank you very much. Excellent. So that was uh, Manish Singhal, founding partner at Pi Ventures, uh, a deep tech-focused VC investor. Uh, that's it for today's. Startup Friday's conversation. Uh, next week, I'll be back with a very interesting uh, successful entrepreneur and one of India's, or at least one of the big success stories in the cloud software space that has come out of India and become a success in the US. That should be an interesting conversation. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, support us by sharing us wherever you can. That really matters. Uh, have a great Friday and a good weekend ahead. Until next week, be safe.